you have a Bible, go with me to Proverbs 3. And uh, we're in week three of the series called Wise Moves in Life. Today, I want to talk to you about trusting in the Lord. It sounds like a simple theme, but it's one that we all need, every single one of us, every single day. And uh, in week number one, we uh, dove into the major theme of Proverbs, which, which is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so we learned from week number one, fear God more, fear life less. In week number two, we learned that wisdom is supreme. So we want to acquire wisdom. With everything within us, we want to acquire understanding. So we, we learned to get wisdom for better life choices. Any of you have a choice that you wish you could get a do-over, a mulligan? Yeah, you wish you could do that over again. And, and uh, you, you have some choices you just can't go back on so then how do I make the best in light of those uh, decisions so what I want to talk to you about today is maybe a a couple of verses that we all need to memorize if you don't have it memorized and these could be uh, wisdom nuggets for you for the rest of your life when King Solomon um, grew up he's there are three great kings of Israel Saul David and Solomon when Solomon grew up, the Lord said to Solomon, <clears throat> I, I'll give you anything you ask of. Wealth, fame, doesn't matter what you want. And Solomon said, I would like wisdom. And the Lord said, okay, I'll, I'll give you wisdom. Now, not a perfect guy, not a perfect king, not a perfect person, but the Lord gave him wisdom. And, he, and the Lord did this too. He says, I'll not only give you wisdom, but since you're asking for wisdom, I'll also give you all the rest of the things. Like, money and power and fame. He, he may be one of the richest men of all times, of all history, and certainly the most powerful in that zone during that, the, the years that he reigned, and he certainly had fame. He had all of those because he asked for the right thing. So here's the nugget of wisdom that he gives to us. Proverbs 3, and it's verses 5 and 6, and I want you to read it out loud with me. Would you do that? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Read it with me, would you? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in all your ways, submit to him. Know him, recognize him, follow him, and he'll he'll make the path straight. The big idea of this is this. Regardless of life events, I'm going, to, I'm going to trust the Lord. Regardless of what happens, I can't control most of life. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to trust the Lord with all of my heart. Now, when you think about that, I, I'm reminded of a guy who uh, took his sons to a sporting event in a downtown city. And it was a, it was a big event. And he had some other things to do that day. And he wanted to, the boys, since they were taking the day together, they said, well, in the sporting event's not till the evening. Let's do some things downtown. So he parked the car downtown, and he said, let's just hoof it, because rather than pull the car out and repark and pull the car out and repark, let's just park the car once, be done. You've done that before. And so they did that, and they went, had a great day together, and then got dinner, went, went to the sporting event. And then they stayed to the very end, which was kind of unusual for this guy. And so as the stadium ends, they go back to the car. The only problem with it was they're so disoriented because they've been so many places. 
they don't remember where the car is. No one nods your head. No one, no one points. No one, oh yeah, I've been there, done that. And so after eight hours of being out and about, they, they know it's in a parking garage built with concrete, lots of layers. They know they're at the top layer because they, they went midday and all the business people were there, so they were, at the, they were at the top level, but they couldn't remember where it was. He had this ticket, but that ticket was for a garage company, and that garage company owns a half a dozen garages in town. That's a problem, especially at 11 o'clock at night. You have two young boys, 8 and 11, and he goes, well, boys, this is our chance to run some stairs. So they go to the parking garage, and he runs up eight flights of stairs. Mm, no car. Comes back down. Goes to another parking garage. Seven flights of stairs. No car. This is when I wished my little beeper on my opener opened like for like a mile. Beep, beep. You know, it's, it's here someplace. Or someone's car is there someplace, right? Did that three or four times. And um, running up and down stairs. And this guy says, I'm exhausted, but my boys are, you know, they're little, and, and they're wearing out. He finally finds a security guard and says, I've, I can't find my car. And the guy goes, yeah, every game this happens. Every game. And, uh, and the guy looks at him, because this happens every game, too. Did you leave the engine running? No, I did not. I'm not as dumb as the previous guy, you know. So, so he looks at the ticket. And he knows by the stamp on the ticket which garage it is, because it just says the name of the garage, which owns half a dozen places. And he goes, I think this one's around the corner. You go around this corner and go up the flight of stairs, and you're going to, and within three or four minutes, they were there, and they had their car. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people in life think that satisfaction comes if I just run that flight of stairs and find it, I will be happy. Have you ever done this? If this were to happen, then I would be happy. If that were to happen, then I would be blessed. If these events happened, then I would trust the Lord, or I would follow the Lord, or I would have a happily ever after story. If I could just hit certain financial goals and get into a house. If I could just work from home. And then people who work from home say, if I could just leave work. Right? If I could just start my own business, if I could just clock out from my own business. Do you understand how you chase those sets of stairs all your life and it never ends and it's always tiring and it's never satisfying? Because our desires always want one more thing and it's more. Um, the Proverbs puts it this way, Proverbs 27, 20. Death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. The death and destruction in the New International Version is a little strong. It, it just means simply it, life itself and the cycle of life. Another translation calls it all of human desires. So whatever you desire, is, it's never satisfied. You always want more. Your appetites know one thing, more. Talk to the richest people in the world. You know how much money, when you ask them how much money is enough, you know what they say? More. Just one dollar more. Because... Human desires are never satisfied, so you'll run up that ramp, <clears throat> and you'll spend it going from different ramp to different ramp, thinking, if I were just in that marriage, if I could just get out of this marriage, if I could just get into that next marriage, if I could get out of that next marriage, if I could get into that new job, if I could get out of that job, if I could get into this house, if I could get out of that house, if we could just have children, if I could get the children to move out, if I could get the children, you, right? You, you understand, it just, it's a ramp you're running all of your life, 
because there is a hole in your heart. It is never going to be fully satisfied because there's a hole in your heart, and that hole in your heart is a hole that only God can fill. Only God, the maker of heaven and earth, can fill. I like what Tim Keller says. If you have anything in this world that you love more than God, you will crush that object under the weight of your expectations. That's good. You will crush it. You'll enjoy the things. There's nothing wrong with enjoying what you have in life. But when, we, when the drive to get that is higher than our drive to enjoy God, then trouble is not going to be far from behind us. You may be at a point in your life where you're um, single and you wish you could have a date and you finally get a date and you decide, I'm going to make the most of this date. You've not had a date for a long time, so you go get a new outfit or you go get your hair cut or whatever. Maybe you get your car detailed because there's a chance you might be using your car and you get the carpet steamed, everything, all the vents and the air pressure. You, put, you, you do everything. You even change the oil. and You, you don't even need it. No one's going to be checking the oil. Your date's not going to ask how long it's been since you changed the oil. But you do everything to make the, the evening just right. And then you get there and the evening bombs. Something happens. And he seems to be like uh, uh, lost in space. Or she seems to laugh at hilarity, at non-laughable things. Or, or um, all he can talk about over dinner is his next level of Fortnite. And you, you don't even know what that is. And all she can talk about is the last episode of The View. And you go, well, who, who watches that? And then you realize she thinks that's the evening news. I mean, she thinks that's the news source, the view. And then you, you go home after that date, and you go, I did all this for that? And there's, sorry for the grammar, but there ain't going to be a second date or a third date. And then you ask yourself, what's wrong with me that I even ran that ramp? I did all that for that? Not worth it. But suppose it works. Suppose you meet Mr. Wonderful, Miss Wonderful. Suppose you, you fall in love, whatever that means, and you, you keep going out, and you find the satisfaction in them, but then they become your satisfaction. What will happen? You will crush them under the weight of your expectation because you'll have expectations they can't fulfill. And then if that doesn't do it, then you will... You will marry, you will have children, you'll put that expectation on your children. And no person, nobody, no organization, nothing can meet what only God could meet at your deepest desires. Only God can do that. And that's why, that's why we, we come to the conclusion I have to trust the Lord. Not everybody or everything else. I trust the Lord with all my heart. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, you love him with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Different, different times at different um, scholars quoting it or writing it down they, they use different wording and it all comes out the same you just love them with everything within you because our desires can be counterfeit they can be really false gods proverbs 8 for the wisdom for wisdom is more precious than than rubies it's it nothing compares to that wisdom if i just seek the lord it's it's precious but if i'm not careful i'll settle for the counterfeit I'll, I'll settle for, well, this is pretty good. It's not what I'd hoped for, but it's, it's pretty good. Our desires not only can be counterfeit, but they can overtake us. Our desires can, can become deadly to us. Proverbs 10, verse 24. What the wicked dread will overtake them. Get that. 
will overtake them. What the righteous desire will be granted. What the wicked dread will be will overtake it. It will come to you in in multiple levels. It'll come to you over and over and over. There's there's a moral component to this that the wicked fallen desires become compulsions, become our addictions, not righteous acts. Proverbs chapter eleven. The righteousness of the upright delivers them, but the unfaithful are trapped. Trapped. You see, our, our desires can not only overtake us, they can trap us. Listen carefully, because that is a key piece to our culture today. The most people, if you were to ask most people in, just in the community, uh, oh, what would you do with your life? Most people will say, well, just follow your heart. <laughs> follow your heart. One problem with that, the Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. Why would I follow my heart? Do what you've always longed to do. Like steal from the rich and give to the poor. I mean, what, what, that's a fairy tale. It doesn't work. So following my heart is not going to work. And then and, and, and follow your dream. But that's just it. It's a dream. There isn't reality to it. And commercials are the biggest liars to us in all this. I'm reminded of a beer commercial I saw recently. Some of you are offended by that. But yes, we have a TV in our house. And... and the beer commercial that they were like running along a, a shore drinking beer, but they weren't sweating. They were neat and trim. And most people I see who drink beer have have a beer belly. I mean, it's just what it is, and it's, it's why it's called a beer belly. They aren't like running along a shore and life living happily ever after. And they're in lawn chairs that were placed there perfectly as the sun sets. I mean, you've, and the implication is this: you buy this beer and drink it you'll have a sunset in a lawn chair too. Lots of young guys will see the ad for a car and there's a, uh, a lovely young maiden laying on the hood of the car. And what's the impression? Buy this car, you'll get that girl. No, buy this car, you'll get this payment book. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm telling you, the it's a dream. Do you understand this? I love the ads for like a house or something because a, a house will come up and you'll, you'll see an ad uh, online or, or there'll be real estate ads. And I'm not against real estate. Everybody has to have some place to live. But it's the implication that if you buy this house with this kind of square footage and these kind of amenities, you'll live happily ever after. And, and then you, you see that house and go, oh, in the backyard there's a patio and on the patio there's a hot tub. Every night we're in the hot tub. Yeah, you'll be in the hot tub wondering how to make the payment on the house. Yeah, the house is huge. It's gorgeous. I, I don't do that anymore. And I've lied to myself plenty of times that no one's lied to me more than me. Write that down. That's profound because it's maybe true with you. The person who lies to you the most may be you. By the time you get to a house and you make the payment and then you have... I, I've driven by houses. In fact, one time I was with a guy, and I picked him up at his house. He's in a nice subdivision. And I go, this is a nice subdivision. He goes, yeah. He says, most of these houses don't have any furniture. I go, what? He goes, yeah, they're really nice. They're, they're called what we call house poor. You ever heard this? I'd never heard this before. He goes, yeah, it's called house poor. He goes, they, do it. they put all their money in the house. All they, have, they have a lawn chair in the dining room. That's it. They eat off of a lawn chair in a big house. Lately, I, I know when I see a house ad, and it's like, 5,000 square feet. I'm going, I don't want to vacuum that. 
Anybody else with me on that? I, that house is way too big. How many bathrooms? Four bathrooms? I'm not cleaning four bathrooms. There's no way. Yeah, if I have to vacuum that, I need a Zamboni. Some of you don't even know what a Zamboni is. Think of a leaf rake on a tractor. Yeah, that would be... Yeah, and I'd just be picking up like lint and dirt, but I'd also be picking up dirty clothes from the kids. Just pick it all up at the same time, throw it in the wash, live happily ever after. There's my dream. You understand, those, those are all there because they want to sell you the house, and there's nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with all the things I'm talking about. I'm just saying it could be a trap. The ad is not necessarily the truth. Let me give you three really common traps, and these are broader by scope, and the implication is even greater. But this is what will keep you from trusting the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5. Number one trap is approval. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. Probably a verse that some of us need to memorize. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Not a promise, but, but generally true. It's a proverb. It doesn't guarantee your safety, but you know what? If you fear men, we can almost guarantee it will be a snare for you. The snares are like being overly sensitive, being compromising with your integrity, worrying what others think about what you're, what, what's happening. So you, you take the social media picture of your best every day. It's your highest moment. People who just post and post and post and post and post and post and post. It shouldn't be called Facebook. It should be called brag book. Pride book, right? Yeah. It shouldn't be called Instagram. Come up with a new name. Instapride. Because that's what it is. Let's face, let's be honest with ourselves. Do you ever take a picture of yourself changing oil in your truck? No. Why? Because you're not in a good mood when you're doing it. And no matter what you do, you still get oil, not only on your hands, but usually I get it on my forehead. Not a good time for a picture. Craig Groeschel puts it this way, and I like um, Craig's great pastor, uh, great author. He writes it this way. Being obsessed about what other people think about you is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. Let me come at that again. Being obsessed about what other people think about you is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. What God thinks about you. When we are obsessed with what others think, we've lost our sense, we've lost our mind because we've given up on what God, what does God think about this whole thing? And when people are big, too big, then God becomes small. And then we struggle with approval issues. More importantly, we miss out. Not only do we, we end up trying to uh, get approval of these people, who, by the way, really just do that to manipulate, to get their way. Understand that. But then secondly, we miss out on a great relationship with a big God. So trap number one is approval. Trap number two is pleasure. Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Whoever loves pleasure, by the way, there's nothing wrong with pleasure. Nothing wrong with pleasure, but if you love it, if you're attached to it, got to have it. If convenience is your biggest issue, if you love it, you will find yourself in trouble because the problem is, again, it's an appetite. It's a trap. It, you will always want more. You will never 
you will ne you, you'll never come to the point you go, well, that was good, now we're done. I'm finally, I'm at eureka moment, this is it. No, you want more. And, and here's what I do with people, uh, when people are caught in a snare like this, is I'll say to them, play this thing out. This is from James chapter one. The wisdom literature of the New Testament would be the book of James. When you have the thought, and then you think the thought, and then you preserve the thought, and the thought becomes your meditation, then it becomes your attitude. Eventually it becomes your attitude. And then as it, as it is your attitude, it becomes your action. When it becomes your action, it becomes your habit. And that habit becomes your destiny. Okay? And, and it, says, it says it brings forth sin, and that sin will bring forth death. It'll be the death of relationships, or the death of a job, or the death of your dream, if that becomes your habit. So play it out. Um, and here's the thing, that you can play this out and already know how it's going to end, okay? Um, Wanda and I, we, we like to watch, uh, particularly, it, it's just, we're coming up to October 1, and um, starting in October, we don't really put Christmas decorations up, but we do start watching Christmas Hallmark shows. Anybody else? Oh my gosh. Yeah, now here's the deal. Opening seven minutes. I can guess how it's going to end. Anybody else? Yeah, right? Yeah. So I can be doing other stuff because I, I already know how it's going to end. At the end, these Clydesdale horses will come in. It'll just start to snow, and then they'll kiss. It's the end. I already know. So I can, be, I can go out to the garage, do a couple things, come back, make a sandwich, take a shower, come back. I still know what the movie's about. Why? Because I've seen like 72 of them already, and I'll watch 73 and 70 and we enjoy them that's the sick part i actually i like where do they find so many beautiful log homes in the snowy upper ends of breckenridge colorado i mean i didn't know there were so many there but there's a movie set for all these and they're wonderful you know you watch them right but you already know how it's going to end right and then every so often one ends differently oh wow it ended a little differently a little different to us but almost always you always know understand this not only with approval but with pleasure you already know how it's going to end Proverbs 21 whoever loves pleasure will become poor if that becomes your obsession it's going to take you to poverty and you will not be a happy person yourself but you won't be happy to live with either so what do you have to do you have to redirect your desires redirect your thinking to no longer go down that path anymore it's a trap third trap is control proverbs 11 hopes placed in mortals will die with them all the promise of their power comes to nothing comes to nothing we've all done this we've all done this you put your hope you just say you know the next leader the next president, the next governor, the next mayor, the next school principal, the next superintendent, the next chief of police. It doesn't matter. Just, we always put it in. We think, oh, if I just put my hope in them. No, it, it still dies because you'll always be disappointed. It'll always let you down. You put your hope in the next person. You're sorely disappointed. And then there's a drive to control. And this is really the issue. It's for us to be in control. 
But, but that control is, is fleeting. You can't keep up with it. It's only as good as you can stay controlling it. And if that becomes an issue, then you're, you're going to need help to get out of the control piece. And some of us think we can control every element, and you just, you eventually cannot. <clears throat> a number of years ago, I, um, I went to uh, see some family and had some family business to attend to. I was driving back, and I was going to be going right past an area where I grew up as a kid. And where I grew up, my, my grandparents, both sets of grandparents were from Gary, Indiana. Woohoo! <clears throat> Long live Jackson 5. So they're from Gary, okay? Uh, one set of grandparents stayed in the city. The other one moved out to the suburbs and bought a motel out on the highway, Highway 30, Lincoln Highway. It was a six-unit motel with a, a pop machine not soda machine, pop machine. <clears throat> and it had chocola in it. It had this chocolate, I don't even know what that stuff was. <clears throat> but it was a six-unit motel with seven doors, and door number four was the laundry room that kept the little bars of soap and the towels and everything. We loved this. The place was immaculate. Well, my grandparents aged out, and sold it, moved to Florida, why? Because Jerry Seinfeld told them they had to. They're old. They, they moved to Florida. <clears throat> they eventually went to heaven. <clears throat> they had motels changed hands, became a restaurant, closed down, opened back up. <clears throat> the town changed. Demographics changed again. It became another place of business. It became a, a third place of business. There was a truck stop next to it that was thriving years ago. I drove up to the place, and if I didn't know where I was, I would have never been able to find it. Do you know why? It was in such disrepair because it was only a beautiful place when my grandparents controlled it, when they mowed it every week, and they painted it, and they fixed the, the gutters and the downspouts, and they replaced the letterings. And, they, and remember the, uh, the signs that had the word vacancy in neon and it had the word no? That was power, baby. We could flip the no switch, you know, and it was out of... And when all the cousins came for Christmas, we would flip the switch to no, because we took over the motel. It was great. And we would flick it on and off, like, they're trolling in, they're pulling out, they're pulling in, they're pulling out. <laughs> Things we thought our grandmother never knew. She knew all along what was going on. But that was a beautiful motel. It was a gorgeous motel. And they had regular customers for years. And the day they lost control of that, they went downhill. And uh, today it's just a boarded up piece of property with overgrown stuff in it. Uh, have you been into a house that uh, has been not cared for? And I, I walked on a property once, looked at a house, and the guy goes, yeah, in that woodsy section over there, there is a pool in there. I go, but there's trees. Yeah, the, a tree grew in the bottom of the pool. What? Yeah, as long as you don't control the property, it's going to go into decay. I, I'm telling you that to say this. You can try to control stuff all your life. It will do what it wants to do. and you, You'll run out of strength eventually because you cannot control it. So what's the answer? The only solution is to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do what you can do, 
but trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's go back to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6 now. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Here's what we do. I'm, I'm telling you, this is, you can rewrite this yourself. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Right? Can you back the slide up just a little bit? Thank you. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Isn't that what we do mentally? I'll trust the Lord as long as he tells me what he's doing. And, he, and I always know. And then I, I check it off for approval. Okay, you're going to do Okay, I, I'm good with that. No, this is not a committee meeting. He's God. So lean not on your own understanding. Okay, I'll trust God as long as I can figure it out. As long as I can think it through. I'm leaning on my own understanding as long as I still control. No, I, if I'm in control, then that means I'm not trusting the Lord with all my heart. Do you understand how these compound? Submit your ways when I want to. You tell me, God, tell me your will, and then I'll decide whether I'm going to do it or not. No, submit your ways to him in all your ways. You see how thorough it is? Pretty simple. But you know what? If we're not careful, that's the way we rewrite that passage. I would challenge you this week to be deathly honest with yourself and write the passage the way your heart is and then compare it to the way the, the passage actually writes. And if you'll be very aware of, your, of what's going on in your own heart, you'll begin to realize, maybe I don't trust the Lord like I think I do. And that's the challenge for the week. Now, let's break it down. Trust in the Lord with all your life, with all your heart, means that I have laser-like focus. It means that my eyes are looking nowhere else. I'm not looking for anybody else. I'm looking right directly to the Lord, and I'm, all my energy is going to that. There's no holding back. There's no hesitation. There's no pause in my life. It's before he even begins to move my, yes, yes, yes. Trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on your own understanding. I'm not second-guessing God. I'm not confronting God. There's a heart check of my own bias. There's, I'm, not checking my, I'm not checking his motives. I'm only checking my own motives, and I'm realigning my heart to his. I don't understand it totally, God. I, you know what the lie of the Garden of Eden is? Did God really say that? So you, you hear it or you read it in God's word and then you, you don't like it and then so then you challenge it. I wonder if that's what he meant when he said no. <laughs> well, I think it meant no. Lean not to your own understanding. So refuse to limit yourself to just your own intellectual bias or what you can figure out because we are not all-knowing. He is. So we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. We don't lean on our own understanding. We don't have this all figured out. In all of our ways, we submit to him. So we take inventory. Am I submissive here? Am I submissive there? Am I submissive here? Because what God is looking for is not the perfect life. He's looking for the submissive heart. And am, am I doing what God asks of me? And how can he direct my paths if I'm not already saying I will follow? Why would you give directions to a person who just does not listen? So you make the commitment to obey even before you know what the, what the commandment's going to be. So in all your ways you submit to him. And what does he do? He, he does what he always does. He makes your pastor. He's been doing it for hundreds of years. We say we can trust him, that he will handle us. And we, we act like he actually is going to do that. And he has a record of doing that. 
you're saying right now, so my previous decisions I've blown. Yeah, and so from here forward, you can't go back on those decisions. From here forward, I trust the Lord with all my heart. Yeah, but you don't understand. I have a broken faith in my family. Yeah, and from here forward, we're trusting the Lord with all of our heart. Uh, I, you're saying, I have a conflict on my job. Yeah, and from here forward, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Okay, my, my job's moving to Kansas City. They're shutting down my office. Yeah, and because of that, you're going to trust the Lord with all of your heart. You say, well, my, my wife's decided she doesn't love me anymore, and, and you're going to continue to love her. You're going to continue to treat her as, as the gift that God has given to you, and you're going to trust the Lord with all your heart. You're going to come through on your commitment, even if she doesn't come through on hers. And even though you don't know how it's going to end, you cannot lose if you will trust in the Lord with all your heart and you'll walk with God to the very end. And if you walked with God to the very end, one day you're going to wake up in heaven with God. And then you'll say to him, I trusted you with all my heart and my soul, all my energy. And I didn't do it perfectly, but even when I didn't understand in all the ways I've, I tried to follow you, and God, you did make a way. You did make a way. And here we are. It's heaven. It's heaven. Would you bow with me in prayer? <clears throat> our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. My concern is not that... is not that believers in Jesus understand what it means to trust in in him because you you've tasted it and you've seen you know the lord is good so for many believers it's now just a time to renew the faith and say okay i'm going to trust you even when i don't get it i've always trusted you right until i don't now i'm going to do that in all the ways no matter what way it goes i'm going to trust you but my word to you is to those who've never really trusted God to begin with and I'll tell you this there is a God in heaven and he loves you very much he loves you so much that in our sin he, he provided a remedy for your sin and that sin is called salvation that salvation is found in Jesus he's the savior of the world Jesus is God's son and God gave his son to be the savior of the world and that Jesus came to earth in the form of a baby. He lived a perfect life, and then he died on a criminal cross to pay for the sins, your sins and my sins, the whole world of sin. And he says, you can get forgiveness if you'll trust me. But it will only happen if you make the decision to trust me. My challenge to you today, if you're on the outside of faith looking in, it's time to step in. Would you open your heart to God now and ask Jesus to be your Savior from sin? The Bible tells us that he isn't willing that any should perish. He wants you to trust the Lord. He wants you to come to saving knowledge, but he's not going to force it. So you have to make the decision. No one else can make it for you. Only you can make it. So my word to you this morning is, open your heart to the saving grace of Jesus. If you're there, you might be praying, right?
you're seated. God, I don't even know what to say. I'll give you some words. And the words would go like this. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me. And I know that I've sinned and fallen short. I need Jesus to be my savior from my sin. Help me to live a godly life. But even help me just have the faith that you're going to save me. And he promises when you place your faith and trust in him that he will save you. He won't reject you if you'll just trust him. 